This morning we'll be in uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to, be, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, um, we humbly come to you this morning to, to hear the word of God preached, to, um, to hear it and be transformed by it, Father, by the, by the power of the Spirit. And we ask, Father, that as we are listening and we're considering the deep things of, of, of the birth of Christ, that we see that Christ is not separate from uh, his message, that he is the message, Father, he is the gospel. And that when we see his birth, it is not only... Um, an event that, that we can think about his birth, but where we can look forward to the cross and see the work uh, of the cross, and that this is a complete work. Uh, Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us, even when we're not faithful, even seen throughout the, uh, the people that you chose in the Old Testament to, uh, to show your glory, the unfaithfulness of them and the unfaithfulness of us, Father, but you are so faithful to us, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Well, good morning. My name is Tim. I'm the pastor here. If you're new, welcome. If you're not new, welcome back. Uh, This morning we are beginning our Christmas series uh, because we are beginning the Christmas season. Whether you're ready or not, it's happening, right? We're in the midst of it. And you can see that by today. As you walked in, you saw a Christmas tree. You see some decorations on stage. And I just want to thank the person who uh, coordinated all that, Alicia High. Would you guys give it up for Alicia? putting us in the Christmas mood and the Christmas season. Thank you so much, Alicia, for doing that. Uh, But there's so many fun things. One of the fun things about this time of the year is the decorations. Uh, I know we enjoyed yesterday going to get our tree. Uh, We went to the electric lights parade for the first time on Central. It was so fun. And we got our kids to sit with Santa Claus for the first time ever. And we have a six-year-old. So this was a big achievement for us, a landmark for us as a family. And we have the uh, Boys to Men Christmas album. On our Pandora. And so, I mean, we're just, we're in the midst of the Christmas season, and there's so many fun things and traditions, and I imagine you have those as well. But there's also a little bit of chaos. Like, you just think about the shopping and Black Friday, there's chaos. And so, I know even in my news feed, there was a few things that stood out to me, and I just want to read them to you. The first one was this. It said, a riot develops over low-priced TVs as shoppers wrestled for television sets from a single display. This was at a Walmart in El Paso, Texas. At a mall in Florence, Kentucky, a fight breaks out over the last pair of Air Jordan sneakers. My favorite one was this, in a race to purchase heavily discounted vegetable steamers, a woman grabbed one from a child at an unidentified store in Saginaw, Michigan. Chaos, right? Now, I hope and pray that you weren't involved in that chaos, right? But I imagine there's some chaos in your life. Maybe it wasn't the shopping or the Black Friday or the vegetable steamer. But maybe it was something else, and maybe it is something else in your life. Maybe it's your schedule. 
As you approach the holidays and you think about the family and the friends and the Christmas parties and the work and the school, and your schedule seems a bit chaotic. Maybe it's sickness. As you're sick, as people in the family are sick, as the kids are sick, and you just think this is the worst time for this, we have too much going on, and it never really goes away, and the sickness is chaotic. Maybe it's chaotic financially where you have medical bills or things coming due at the end of the year, and there's some anxiety associated with that as you think about, I want to be generous this Christmas season, but I'm not sure how that's going to happen. Maybe it's chaotic relationally as you have conflict with somebody at work or a family member or a friend, and if you look at it honestly, that conflict's not going away anytime soon. Like there's not an end in sight, and especially by Christmas, and it's chaotic relationally for you. I would imagine that some of you are in that place this morning, that if you get beyond the tree and the decorations and the Christmas albums, that there's some chaos behind that internally, externally in your life. And so over these next few weeks, we want to see how do we see the good news in the midst of all the chaos? How can we see the good news and not only just see it from afar, but embrace it, experience it, and walk in it during this Christmas season? So that's where we're headed over the next few weeks. We just read, Nick just read in Luke 2, the circumstances, the backdrop for this good news and the birth of Jesus Christ. And I would imagine most of you know these circumstances. Like Even if you're here and you would say, I'm not a Christian, I'm new to church, you know these circumstances that Nick just read, Luke 2, 1 through 7. Because it's so ingrained in our culture. You know Joseph, Mary, baby, manger. You're like, yeah, I got that. Bethlehem. But if we're not careful, we'll just run through these circumstances and miss the significance and meaning behind them. And so I don't want you to do that. So I want you to look at the text with me. Verses 1 through 3, you see this registration that takes place. That's ordered by the Roman emperor Caesar Augustus at the time which requires everyone to go to their hometown. And so if you look at the text, you have Joseph and Mary. These are Jesus' parents. Joseph is from Bethlehem. That's his hometown, right, where all his ancestors are from, and including the King David from the Old Testament. That's why it's called the city of David, Bethlehem. And so Joseph and Mary have to go back to register for this census, and for them that means going to Bethlehem with his pregnant wife. And scholars tell us this census wasn't just to make sure everyone was accounted for so they could care for them better. No, it was a way for Rome to basically make sure you signed up to pay taxes, to basically make sure that they got their money. Now, I know how some of you get so excited about paying your taxes, but I want you just to bear with me for a moment and just try for a second to relate to Joseph and Mary in this situation. Mary is in the latter stages of pregnancy, so uncomfortable, right? Probably a little bit anxious. Moms, you can help us out here. As the latter stages of your pregnancy and you expect the baby to come, you're getting a little bit anxious. And she might have been more so, you know, because she was carrying the son of God. And so she's in this point of uncomfortable, anxious, and they find out they have to take about a 70 to 80-mile hike from Nazareth to Bethlehem on foot. And so we, we always see the, the donkey. You've seen this, the donkey in the pictures. We don't actually know if there was a donkey. Maybe there was, maybe there wasn't. Scripture doesn't tell us. 
So they could have walked the whole time. We don't know. In her latter stages of pregnancy, though, she's taking the 70 to 80 mile hike. And all of this so they can register with a corrupt government to continue to be oppressively taxed. Great circumstances, right? Really comfortable circumstances for Joseph and Mary. I mean, I just have to fill out some documents and put some things in the mail for my taxes. And that makes me uncomfortable. Like, that's enough to make me uncomfortable. They had to go through all of these difficult circumstances, and I can only imagine how inconvenient and uncomfortable it must have been. Have you ever found yourself in that place? Have you ever found yourself in a place of uncomfortable circumstances, of difficult circumstances, where you, if you looked at them honestly and if you were honest with God and yourself, you would say, I'm disappointed. Like, I'm disappointed, God. I mean, couldn't you have a better plan than this? Couldn't you have set up some better circumstances than this? Have you ever been in that place? I have. Um, I remember I was laid off from a job, and insurance and all those things went away, and it was uncomfortable, right? I, I didn't expect that to happen. It was very uncomfortable. I was laid off. Insurance goes away. I know we're going to have to make some drastic changes to our life, to our family, probably going to have to downsize to another house, probably going to go out to do something else as a job that may not be exactly the same as what I was doing. I knew all that was going to happen. And then a week later, my wife called me on the phone and said something that if you're a guy and you've heard these words, you never forget them. She said these words. She said, I am pregnant. Those are big words, like a big phrase, right, to say. A week after I, I lose my job, don't have insurance, all those things go away, we're thinking some drastic changes are about to take place, and my wife says, I'm pregnant. And I'll be honest with you, in that moment, my response was, really, God? Now? I mean, you need insurance to have a baby. Like, don't you know how it works? I mean, you upsize when you have a third child, not downsize. That doesn't make any sense. And I remember going to God and thinking, God, I'm disappointed in you. I'm disappointed in this plan. Like, this can't be the way that you organized these circumstances. Not this way. Not now. Because it was uncomfortable, right? It didn't make a lot of sense. And I can imagine they felt a little bit like that. Are you sure this is the way it's going to happen? Have you felt like that? Maybe it's when you have two jobs and school, and you just think, man, I thought I was just going to go to school, go to cool coffee shops, get my study on, wave at the girl across the way, maybe find my mate through that process. But, man, I'm in school doing all that. I'm getting ready for finals, and I got this job, and I got that job, and that girl won't talk to me. Have you ever felt that way? This is, this is not what I would have planned. Have you ever felt that way in your job where you just think, man, he's given me a lot of work right as the Christmas season comes along? I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't seem to make sense. Where you get switched to another position in your job or you lose your job, and you think, this isn't comfortable. This isn't what I would have planned. Maybe somebody in your family gets sick. Maybe something worse happens to you that I don't even know about. And if you're honest, you look at God and you think, 
I would have organized this a lot differently. Like I would have had a different plan because this isn't very comfortable. But I, I want you to see as we look at Luke 2 that these uncomfortable circumstances are not merely a backdrop for Jesus' birth. As you look at these circumstances where Jesus Christ is born into the world, these aren't just some circumstances to give you some context. These are fulfillments of promises from God. I want you to see that. There's a few promises that I want to highlight for you. One promise is from chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, that Mary would have a child. That's happening. One promise is from the book of Micah in the Old Testament, chapter 5. It said that one would rise up out of Bethlehem who would be our peace. Where are they headed? Bethlehem. It's a promise fulfilled by God from the Old Testament. There's a promise made in 2 Samuel 7 that a descendant of David would never cease to be on the throne. That's Jesus because Joseph was in the line of David. It's a promise being fulfilled. So as you read this text and you've read it a lot of times or maybe you've heard about it a lot of times, you need to know there's incredible significance that God is fulfilling his promises through these uncomfortable circumstances, precisely through these circumstances. But that's not all he's doing. God is making provision in the unexpected. So God is uh, fulfilling his promises in the uncomfortable, but he's also making provision in the unexpected. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says this, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And so after this long journey, latter stages of pregnancy, they arrive to this small town. The population has swelled beyond its capacity, and so there's not room for many people. And so where do they end up having baby Jesus? We think it's some sort of stable a barn, maybe even a cave at that time that they go to. And Jesus is born in a manger, basically a feeding trough. And if you think about it, this is Joseph's hometown, right? You would think, like, maybe he would have some family there still remaining to come around him. And we don't know if he did or if he didn't. It doesn't seem like he did because they're in a, a stable. You would think he had an aunt and uncle he could post up at their house and say, hey, in a tight spot, I'm having a baby, but he doesn't have any of that support. You would think he's in the line of David, in the city of David. You would think that he could talk to the innkeeper and, and at least name drop, right? And so I don't know if you know, but I'm a descendant of David. Maybe you've heard of him. Why don't you check that room list one more time? You would have think something like that could have happened and the scene could have been different, but it wasn't. This is the scene where Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is born. It's the scene that we now call the nativity scene. Maybe some of you have these on your mantle. Maybe some of you have these in your yard, like life-size. You go above and beyond. And in every nativity scene, you see a few things, don't you? You see baby Jesus. you got to have baby Jesus. Like, don't miss that, right? You see Joseph and Mary. You see the shepherds. You see the wise men. Which, just side note, that's incorrect. The wise men weren't there yet. Right? They were walking 
It's probably a long time to get there. And so if you have wise men in your nativity scene, just go ahead and put them outside the house. You know, they can be walking up on their journey and just correct that biblically, theologically for you. But that's the typical nativity scene. Maybe throw some animals in there as well. And it sets the perfect picture of this birth. We light a candle. We put it next to the nativity scene. It's so sweet. It's so calming and peaceful. But if you read the text, I'm not sure that it was that way. But, but so many times in our culture, that's what we think of. It's so peaceful. It even shows up in our classic Christmas carols, doesn't it? Like you think about Silent Night, just some of the lyrics. Um, Silent Night, Holy Night, all is calm, all is bright. You think of a way in the manger, everybody's favorite. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he laid. The little Lord Jesus asleep in the hay. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Here's the thing. If you look at scripture, if you look at the life of Jesus, what we know is that Jesus is fully God and yet he's fully man. It's what's called, the big word is hypostatic union. So just impress some friends at a Christmas party with that one, right? The hypostatic union. Jesus is fully God, but he's also fully man, which means he was fully a baby. And moms, you can help us out here. I don't know that that describes when you had your baby. I know that the, a couple times we have three kids, a couple times my wife was screaming when we had a baby. A couple times the baby was crying. He made some cries. A couple times it wasn't just calm and bright, right? A little chaotic. You add to that, we're in a hospital bed. We have a TV. And we have nurses and doctors at our fingertips. You think about this scene, they had none of that. They had hay, a baby sleeping on hay, right? I'm sure there was some crying. I'm sure it was a little bit chaotic. But this is the scene that God ordains for the Son of God to be born into. Do you ever think about that? I can't imagine what Mary was thinking. I can't imagine. I can't imagine what Mary was expecting when the angel in Luke 1 says, she's going to be highly favored. The Lord's going to be with her. And I don't know about when you, but when I think of favor, I think of a palace, not a, a stable, right? That Mary must have been thinking, like, I'm going to give birth to the Son of God, King Jesus. Like, we're about to upside, Joseph. We're about to upsize to the palace, not downsize to the stable. We have God's favor on us. But that isn't what happened. It was unexpected but the arrival of King Jesus comes nevertheless, and it's exactly the scene that God provides. He makes provision through this scene, through this unexpected scene that Jesus is born. And listen, he doesn't stay a baby. He grows up, right? He grows up to live the life that you could never live, to die the death that you deserved in your place for your sin. And then he rises again in victory over Satan's sin and death. And it all started with this scene. 
Do you see that when you think about these circumstances? Do you see that when you read the story in Luke 2, that through this scene we have a savior, a sustainer, the salvation of God come to earth through this scene, through these circumstances? And it was all unexpected. How many of you are facing those kind of unexpected situations? How many of you thought, like, I would be further along in my job by now? Or maybe in a different job. I surely, I thought I would be married by now. I mean, this was going to happen and this was going to happen. And then I was going to meet that guy. This is unexpected. I didn't imagine myself single at this point. How many of you thought, I'm going to have my debt paid off by 30. And you're 35 and you're nowhere close. And things are a little bit unexpected. They're not working out like you had hoped. I know for me, when our lives changed significantly, when I lost my job or having that baby, things weren't as I expected. But through that crazy process, God made provision. And so we got insurance. I got another job. We moved forward in ways that we didn't see at the moment, but God saw and he made provision through the unexpected. And we were able to move forward. And listen, I'm thankful for that process. I don't ever want to go through it again, ever, but I'm so thankful that God took us through that process. I'm so thankful that it's different than what I expected. Because I think as I step back and look at that process, there are aspects of God's character that I know now more deeply than I ever would have without those specific circumstances. That there's ways I see God and see him moving in my life and in the lives of others. And I can minister to others out of that because God made provision through the unexpected. And so I want to just do an exercise real quick. I want you to think about your life. Maybe it's something in the past. Maybe it's something in the present that's just unexpected for you. That if you're honest, you look at it and you're like, man, I didn't expect it to play out this way. It could be big, it could be small. And I want us to do an exercise. I want you to write down what that event is, just kind of summarize it. And then I want you to write this question down. What is God or what did God show me about his provision and his promises through this situation? So write down that event. And then I want to write down the question, what is God teaching me about his promises and his provision through this situation? So the event, promises, provision, do that now. Take a moment to do that now.
All right, well, hopefully you've taken a moment to at least write that down. And listen, maybe you don't know the answer to that question yet. If you're honest, you're like, Tim, I don't know how God has shown me his promises or his provision through these circumstances. I I don't know that yet. And that's okay. I at least want you to consider it, especially as we enter into the Christmas season. You would at least consider that God has ordained your circumstances at this time to fulfill a promise he has for you, to make provision for you, even if it's not in the way that you would have expected. I want you to consider that. And so maybe you need to, after this service, maybe you need to grab your spouse and say, listen, I don't, I don't know the answer to this yet, but help me find it. Maybe you need to grab your community group or your community group leader and say, listen, I need your help to see through this grid, like God's promises, provision through this, because I don't see the connection. But I want you to at least try that and do that as we enter, to, and enter into this Christmas season. And then here's our response as we close. Our response today is to trust God's word, not your circumstances. To trust God's word, not your circumstances. Just one simple step toward transformation as we look at this text. To trust God's word, not your circumstances. You see, most of us struggle to trust in the moment. I imagine it was difficult for Joseph and Mary to trust God in the moment. Maybe it's difficult for you and you can't come up with that answer to trust God in the moment. It's usually after that moment has passed and we're well beyond it and we can look back and we say, oh God, that's what you were doing. That's why you did those things. That's why I was in that position. Listen, here's the beauty of God's word. We have 66 books, 40 plus authors, over 1,500 years in the Bible of opportunity to look back. Do you see that? Of opportunity to look back and see how God was faithful in the chaos, how God was on mission in the mess. And we have today the opportunity they didn't have to look at scripture, to look at God's word and see how God has been faithful in the chaos, on mission in the mess. And the same God, if you know Jesus, is on mission in your mess. Do you see that this morning? Do you see that the same God is faithful in your chaos as you look back at the evidence in Scripture, as you look back at the evidence in your life, that God is faithful, that you can trust his word over and above any circumstance that that you may face, that we would walk away and do that. Because what we see in Luke 2 is some of the most amazing and transformative promises and provision from God takes place in the uncomfortable and the unexpected. And so if that's where you are this morning, you need to be encouraged that God can fulfill amazing and transformative promises through your exact situation, that he, in fact, planned it that way, that you're right where he wants you to be, even if it doesn't seem like it. But here's the key, you have to trust. And I know that sounds pithy to some of you, or a trite statement, but you have to trust, and specifically you have to trust his timetable, not yours. His timetable, not yours. His circumstances, not yours. Not the ones you would play out in your head. His circumstances, you have to trust those. Isaiah 55, eight through nine says this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, 
so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Listen, God knows better than you do. God knows better than you do. God is bigger than you are. God is infinite, you are finite. God is God, you're not. We need to trust his word over our circumstances. Trust his timetable over yours. Even in the midst of chaos, whatever you may be facing. And I know some of you will push back, maybe you're doing it right now in your head. Well, Tim, that's easy for you to say. I mean, that's easy to think about, but you don't understand my circumstances. Maybe you would even say God doesn't understand your circumstances. But listen, again, as we look at this story, the simple statement that Jesus was born, as we just look at that, that's the beauty of the incarnation. God just became man. First, he became a baby. But God comes down to earth. He condescends to us. And he becomes a baby. And listen, there's vast implications as we consider that. But one I want you to see this morning is that God understands. God understands. You think about the way Jesus grew up as a boy. You think about him weeping over the loss of a friend. You think about him experiencing temptation. You think about him going through betrayal, rejection, and pain. That there is nothing, nothing you can go through that he didn't go through himself. That God understands you. That he was born into the chaos. That he lived it. He didn't stay far off. He lived it. He understands you. He understands your chaos. And we can trust him. We can trust him no matter what our circumstances are. He gets the uncomfortable, he gets the unexpected, and he wants to work through it to fulfill his promises, to demonstrate his provision in your life. And maybe you're thinking, well, maybe not in my life, maybe in somebody else's life down the road. No, in your life, God wants to do that. He wants to fulfill his promises, demonstrate his provision. Will you see that? Will you embrace it? Will you walk in that? Because listen, that's good news. That's incredible news, and we need to trust it. Let me pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for your good news amidst the chaos. I thank you that you fulfill your promises, that you make provision in the uncomfortable, in the unexpected. And God, I pray that you would do that even this morning. God, I pray as these men and women wrote down some event, maybe past or present, that's going through their head, that even as they think about that right now, that they would see clearly your promise and provision. And if they can't see it yet, they would go to your word and see it there. They would go to your character and they would see it there. They would go to Jesus Christ who died for them, who gave his life for them, and they would see it there. And God, we would band together to see it collectively as we enter into this Christmas season, that we wouldn't miss the good news amidst the chaos of Christmas. Father, we need your help for that. We need your eyes to see that. So I pray that you would do that now, even as we respond. It's by your spirit, through your word, we pray. Amen.